You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, welcome back. It is Pit Pass. Swell vodka, six times distilled, six times filtered. Swell vodka belongs in the well. Ask for it at a, well, your favorite spot. How about that? Swell vodka, also by our friends at uh, Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. You know, I take a pause because every time I drive by there, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you go inside, and it's cooler and cooler and cooler. And the employees are happy and the customers are happy because they're getting everything they want for Yamaha, Sea-Doo, Can-Am, Beta, KTM, and Polaris. And it's all under one roof at Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes. Can't make it there in person? Check them out online, hicklinpowersports.com. All right, thanks, Scott. We just finished up a conversation with Cooper Webb. And uh, our next guest is Kurt Nicole, who is a uh, one of the top riders in the Motocross Grand Prix World Championship during the late 80s and early 90s, and uh, has been uh, top FIM 500 World Championship rider. Just a bad dude. Bad dude. Uh, won 13 World Motocross Grand Prix, um, 17 ACU British National Championships. Um, what else? Rode for the British Motocross as Nations team. Um, bringing the 13-year winning streak by the United States to an end. So thanks for that, Kurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate it. You hurt our feelings. Yeah. So uh, what else? Oh, and he raced Farley Castle this weekend, or excuse me, this this past fall, which I'm excited to talk to him about. And he's a, uh, I, I think he won the the 50-plus uh, the pro class out of Glen Helen at the World Vet Championship, which was like uh, last weekend, the weekend before. So we bring him on now. Kurt, what's going on? Oh, good. Thank you very much. Um and yes, on all of those points, um, <laughs> I got suffered around Farley Castle as usual. Suffered around Glen Helen last weekend. Um, beautiful suffering. Well, uh, congratulations, and that's all the time we have for you. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a good one. Yeah, good enough. yeah pretty much covered everything breaking, for you. <laughs> breaking that thirteen-year streak. Can we talk about that? <laughs> talk about yeah, it. let's let's do. Actually, let's do talk about that because that's. That's uh, pretty neat, I think. That uh, you know, not so much as an as an American, but just the the story that the Americans have had dominated for over a decade, and then you guys, you know, brought that to an end. Talk about that. What an experience that was. Uh, it was it, it was the greatest experience of my career, but because um, it was completely unexpected that uh, thirteen year domination uh, was expected to continue, um, and if anyone was going to break it, it certainly wasn't the British. And we, we had a an underdog team. I, I guess I probably wasn't an underdog on the 500 at that time, but uh, the other two team members were Rob Herring, who was a great rider, but very up and down. And then Paul Malin, who'd never ridden the 125. And he he completely dominated and won both his races, beating Emig comfortably and passing him in both races. And... um. Yeah, it was it was incredible experience, and you know, one that we'll never forget. I mean, as Britons, we haven't won it since. Um, came close, not really. Yeah, I mean, we came close on our home soil when Anstey won both races last year, 
Um, I don't think we're really strong enough as a nation now uh, to expect to win in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, one day we will. Kurt, can you comment on on uh, the the current state of motocross in the United States for for our top level guys versus the Europeans? There's been, you know, we just assume that we're going to kick butt, you know, when we're on U.S. soil at Redbud this year, and it was really quite the opposite. They got whooped, and the track didn't look anything like it does at an outdoor national. However, I don't think that was the case. I th- I don't think that was the the determining factor, but. Can, get, I mean, I'm assuming you have an opinion on this, having been a former motocrosses nation's rider and, and winner of this. I certainly do, and I uh, and I was uh, in Red Bud um, and watched it all go down. Um, a fantastic event, by the way. I mean, even if the result was bad for America, I mean, a, a really great event despite the weather. Um, so, I mean, I think that the you know. Uh, had the Americans, specifically Tomac or Plessinger, got good starts, it would have been a completely different story. You know, I, I don't think that um, it was as bad as it looked. I mean, if you got a good start around there and you weren't filled in on the first lap and you weren't, you know, goggles full of mud and sand, then, um, you know, you could do a lot, lot better. I still think if Eli had got out front, they'd have had a hell of a job to catch him up. Um, they didn't, and it looked terrible. And I do believe that probably the best motocross rider in the world right now is Jeffrey Hurlings. Um, but the gap is nowhere near as bad as it looked at Red Bull. And, you know, if you went to uh, another national motocross track that's in the series, I mean, it completely, a completely different story. It was a bad day. Um, all the riders had a bad day. They didn't get good starts, and they just didn't have a good day. Um America, but everything's evened up back in our day. Um, and it's difficult to remember now because things have moved on so quickly. I mean, we we had no real way of checking each other out. So there was a big difference between Americans and Europeans. I, my first ever trip to the U.S., I came over here to California to race the Carlsbad Grand Prix in uh, 1984. I'd never seen... Americans ride because there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there was no nothing. You know, there wasn't on the television. And I, I came here a week early and went to Carlsbad and watched uh, Ricky Johnson and Ron Machine race the local race. And I, when they came to the second corner, I thought their throttles are jammed. They went so fast, and, <laughs> but I'd never seen anyone ride like that. I, I'm dead serious. I jumped back from the fence, and they came, and they came towards it, and then they like put the back brake and turn on the rear wheel. And I'd never seen a technique like that. (laughs) Uh, Whereas nowadays, you're not going to get that big golf because, you know, if if, when Bubba invents the scrub, then every single kid that races a motocross bike all over the world immediately sees the scrub and is out there practicing the next day. And so, you know, you'll always have equality now that, that we didn't have back then because you can't, sneak a technique in and I, and I don't think there's really much to say about um jeffrey and going back to that kurt because we've seen jeffrey race a straight up ama race at crawfordsville albeit wasn't the most ideal conditions however he did go down in the first turn and still win that race yeah 
And yeah, like I said, I, I do believe he's the best motocross rider right now. Um, but, you know, if you put him on most tracks together with Eli Tomac, who's also a sensational motocross rider, I mean, if the two of them went head-to-head at Glen Helen, it would be very, very close. I, You know, honestly, Kurt, in my opinion, however be it very small, I, I still think Jeffrey gets him. I think we've... And, and we've talked about this before, um, but I think that we have adjusted our focus so much from the beginnings of motocross to a focus of motocross, and but a greater emphasis on supercross, that guys are, as we've seen before, doing supercross-only contracts because they don't want to race outdoors. They don't want to put themselves through that because it is more grueling and it is, I, I think it's harder than supercross. Now, when you race supercross and you don't, and you make a mistake, obviously, you know, what happens to you is, is, is sometimes I, worse, but I think that the, the focus has shifted in the United States to supercross for our, our riders. And whereas the, the outdoor season lasts quite a bit longer for the, for the Europeans and and they they seem to you know that is their that is yeah. the way they make their living and and uh, you know I think that uh, you know Supercross only contracts I think they're just fine for a lot of guys but I don't think it's breeding um, you know a talent that's going to be competitive on a world level Mm-mm. to compete with those kind of the Jeffrey Hurlings no. and those kind of guys and then Car- Car- no, I, them. I agree with you and and, and here's a, another take on that which is Supercross has also changed because uh, Supercross in the 80s bred this aggressive, you know, um, tight corners technique that the Americans used in order to beat us for 13 years in a row. But now Supercross isn't like that. I mean, you only have to go on YouTube and check out some of the old tapes. You know, people are making mistakes. There's lots of different lines. Like Supercross now is all about the obstacles. And, I mean, just the bike setup. Obviously, I you know, know quite a lot about the bike setup from all my time at KTM. I mean, those bikes that race Supercross are not designed, designed to turn corners. I mean, they're, they're rock hard, the suspension. And, so, and that's because you don't make up your time by cornering fast in Supercross. You have to do the obstacles. Because if you miss an obstacle, you lose everything you can gain you know, by cornering fast, and so everyone sets up to do the obstacles and the whoops. And so, yeah, of course you're not setting up to race good motocross speed. It's as simple as that. So things have changed around. So the advantage of Americans doing supercross in the 80s is now a disadvantage in the 2010s, whatever we call this decade. (laughs) 20s. Yeah, 20s now, but... uh, Nearly. Yeah, nearly. Uh, Kurt, but you know, we talked with Cooper from, from Red Bull, uh, but Roger was always a big proponent of corner speed. You know, that's why he signed Dungey. That's why he was always enamored with, with Carmichael, you know, cause he's always talked about corner speed. Uh, and like you just said, it just doesn't seem that it's, it, it's become more who can hit the big jump? Who can hit the big rhythm? Who can blitz the whoops the fastest? Who can do this section? It's not about technique as much as it is about 
who can twist the throttle the most? Yeah, I mean, there's still a technique. Um, there, there's no doubt. It's just a different technique in Supercross compared to outdoors, and it's it's a, a negative rather than a positive. I mean, now the big difference, if you go to a Supercross and watch, even guys like I had racing for me, like super talented guys like Josh Hansen, uh, which would be a whole other story to go into a uh, hour-long interview about Josh Hansen. But um, even taking someone like Josh, I watched him at Anaheim last year or the year before, whenever he came out. I mean, he jumped so high now compared to the kids of today. And, I mean, Josh was at his peak in 2006, 2007, and he can't stay low on the jumps. And, uh, I mean, that's the technique that you use in Supercross now. You don't make up your time in the corners. You make up your time by being low on the jumps. Sure. And, and uh, you know, that's just different. And being low on the jumps didn't help at Red Bud. What is Hanson going to do? He's riding a Honda. I see he's riding a Honda on the social media and stuff, but... He's been doing some testing for Honda. I see him out here on the local tracks. Um, he's been doing suspension testing for Honda and Shower. Um, I've spoken to him a couple of times. He seems totally content. He's got a good wife and a kid. And sure. So, yeah, seems pretty good. I see Donnie all the time. Um, Donnie's a good friend of mine. So, um, yeah, they seem, all of them seem to be doing good, which is great. So, Kurt, what's next for you? What what What's the next big thing on the horizon, either on a bike or, or off? Um, well, I'm, I think last time we spoke, I just set up the, uh, the motocross vacations company champion MX, uh, here in California. And we've just had a, um, a phenomenal month in, um, October with the motocross donations. We had a huge group come out and we rode in California and then went over to that race. Then the monster cup, um, in Vegas and then the world bet that we mentioned, another huge group so um i mean that's basically a big focus for me right now um i have a, another big group coming out on sunday i'm going to race day in the dirt um at glen helen uh, the troy lee red bull event and uh and then you know a bunch of people coming over to supercross i'm really enjoying it it's uh it's great to have uh guys come out and ride um from England and from all over the world and come out here and ride in California because they love it. The weather's great. And uh, I kind of attract a older crowd, let's say, because I am old. Those are the guys so, that can afford it. Yeah. They can afford it. But they also, I mean, they're, they're really here to get the most and really enjoy it. And, I mean, Have fun. it's just a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys are real enthusiasts. And, you know, they they come out for a once-in-a-lifetime trip and then they come the next year and the next year because, they, you know, they don't know how long their lifetime is, so they want a lot of once-in-a-lifetime trips. You know, I've had a couple of once-in-a-lifetime trips myself. <laughs> yeah. My last one was yeah. Afghanistan. Nice. <laughs> well, you got to ride in a uh, tank, though, didn't you? No, no, no. MATV, MRAP. Kurt, I just but got anyway. done riding from Takati to Cabo San Lucas last week. That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It was fun. Margarita bar to margarita bar. I started off on a KTM 500 and ended up on a uh, XR 650R, which I 
honestly, I really like the 650 in the desert and out in Baja. The 650 works very, very well. The the 500 just is fine. It's a good, it's a great bike, as you know. Would you like to power the 650 more, or what was it? Uh, I kind of bigger seat. It did have a, a uh, seat concept seat on. It's kind of a wide butt seat, but no. I just if you've ever ridden a 650 in Baja, you know what I'm talking about. The thing just kind of, it just kind of plows through rocks where the guys on on the lighter 450s and 500s are are it's picking the, their way through, it, and I just weight. I just kind of slobber through stuff. Uh, it's good. I like the guys that show up on kind of Honda. Surprises me. What did you say? It kind of surprises me. So, I, I mean, maybe it's like riding a tank in Afghanistan, riding a. Uh, <laughs> well, it definitely the the six fifty definitely has its disadvantages too, Kurt. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, at sixty mile an hour, it works pretty well. Up against clock, fellas. We got to hit the break. We are two minutes late to it. Kurt, thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, we'll, man. we'll do it again soon. Okay. Thanks. Next time you're at Farley Castle, chip us off a piece and send it to us, will you? They won't care. All right, coming up next, uh, the Dirty Talker Danny Walker is going to be joining us. Dave Anthony, Jeff May, and Chuck Axelin are due up in hour number two of the big program. This is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Stay tuned. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.